may be seated. Amen. All right. Thank you, Ben. It was great. Appreciate that. <clears throat> Open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Proverbs tonight, or this morning, Proverbs chapter 3. All right, Proverbs chapter 3. If you've been enjoying Proverbs, uh, say amen this morning, will you? Help me out here. All right, I've really enjoyed uh, studying it, let alone preaching uh, some of the book of Proverbs to you guys. So actually was going to preach a message uh, this morning on giving, and uh, a lot of people were calling saying they were going to miss out, so I'm going to surprise them and not announce that I'm going to preach on giving. Amen? <laughs> I'm kidding. Next week they'll be on giving. So you all be back, all right, because you know now what I preach on. Uh, Proverbs has a lot to say about giving and giving the first fruits. So Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6, we're going to jump into this. Uh, only two verses that we're going to look at. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek, his, seek him in all you do, and he shall show you the path. So let's, read King, let's go back and read verse 5. This is the New King James. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Um, G. Campbell Morgan is a, is a great renowned preacher of, a, of another generation. And he gives an illustration of this verse. When he was, when he was old enough to leave home and go out on his own, his father crumbled up a note and put it in his hand, and it was this verse. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. At first, G. Campbell Morgan did not understand why his father didn't put comments on the note. He couldn't figure it out. And so then, later on in years, he finally got it. That the comment of, on this verse was the comment of his father's godly life. And so then he could understand his father given this because this is how his father lived his entire life. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So just like G. Campbell Morgan, all of us need to know God's will. Amen? We all want to know God's will in our lives. And so we're going to look at actually how to make right decisions in our lives. Right decisions. And Solomon, we're going to look at five, five verses here. But Solomon said, he said, lean not into your understanding. I, I kind of struggled with that a couple weeks ago as I was pondering this verse. I was taking the girls to school. And so I said, lean not onto your understanding. So I was thinking, God, you gave us this mind and this ability to make decisions. So why would you not want us to lean on our own understanding, right? Correct? I mean, he gave us this ability. So as I was driving and thinking about this, I began to realize how unreliable my understanding is. Uh, you know, I have this path in mind that I want to get to, and how to get there, my thinking and my understanding is so unreliable, I'm constantly asking God because I just don't know how to get there. And as I was thinking, it's not just I don't know how, which path to take to get to my destination. I'm not sure, and this was my conclusion, I'm not sure if the destination I want is God's destination. Amen? And so I'm confused on every front. My thinking is unreliable 
because I am influenced by the world, the flesh, and the devil. Constantly influence me. So I need God to speak to me, to guide me, and direct me. And I don't think I'm alone in this. I think all of us struggle with decisions that we have to make. Should I marry Maybell, Mary, Myrtle? I mean, who should I marry? What job should I take? Should I, take, should I go to this Bible college in Florida? No. All right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Where are you at, brother? Right here. Okay, yeah. He should stay here and keep planning to get tar for us. Amen? All right, he's going to Bible college. Okay, so, I mean, we're, we're confused. Who, should, who, we should, who should we marry? What Bible class uh, or college we should, we should go to? What job we should take? I mean, there's decisions on every front. We all need help when it comes to decision making. And so Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6, listen, it suggests the basis on which guidance comes from. It's the basis. And if we really learn these verses and apply them, God steps in and he promises to direct our paths. And that's where I want to get you this morning. I want to get you to the place where you know God's going to direct your paths. So we're going to break, we're going to do kind of a Bible study this morning, all right? We're going to take, there's five words that we're going to look at in this passage. And we're going to look at them, give you the meaning, make comments, and come to some conclusion. The first word is trust in verse five. The word trust means to lean with the full body. To rely upon, what I put on the screen here, is to rest with your full weight upon. That's what the word trust means. It means to rely with confidence. Okay, Have confidence. Trust in the Lord. Put your confidence in the Lord and Him alone. In the Hebrew, it goes a little bit further. It literally means to stretch your body out completely as on a bed. You're putting your full weight upon the bed. And the idea is put your full confidence in the Lord and nothing else. That's the word trust. The second word is the word lean. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. It means to rest upon for partial support. Okay, now listen to this. Follow this through. Lean upon the, or trust in the Lord with all of your weight and don't even trust in your understanding even partially. Because it means partial. And it means, it literally means with a cane or with a walker or when you're going down the sta- stairs with a rail. Okay? So, in other words, trust in the Lord, but don't trust in your understanding even a tiny bit as a cane or a walker because you're unstable. Okay? Then the third word, he says, is understanding. The word understanding is the mental faculties, or really the mental process by which we analyze problems, and we break things down into smaller parts, and then we make decisions on how to solve these problems. That's what we do in a day. If you have a really busy day, you'll take your three-by-five card, and you write all the things you have to do, then you'll prioritize them, and then you'll mark off as you go down through the day doing those events, okay? So that's, that's the idea. It's just this mental process by which you analyze your problems 
and then you solve your problems, all right? It's, it's the understanding ability that God has given us. So you take the word lean, you put it with understanding, then you add the negative, lean not unto your own understanding, okay? And you get the conclusion that God wants no support on your own understanding, but completely and totally on him, okay? That's the first three words. Then we come to the word acknowledge. Bottom line is, but acknowledge him in all of your ways, and he will direct your path. The word knowledge is a command. It is an imperative, and it means this. In all your ways, know him. Okay? In all your ways, know him. Again, the idea is, in the Hebrew, it's a deep meaning. It means to know deeply, intimately, and personally. Okay? So, in other words, know God Intimately, deeply, and personally in your life. Now, I'm going to zero in, and I'm going to, I'm going to keep talking about this over and over because this is what I want you to get, take away today. I want there to be a desire in your heart this morning to long to know him more. Okay? To, to know him in every area of your life. Now, a couple of illustrations to uh, get a hold of this word. We all know the President of the United States, correct? Everybody raise your hand, you know Donald Trump, okay? If he walked in this room right now, we would know him. We would identify him, correct? Probably because of all the bodyguards that come in first, but we know him. If we hear him on TV in the other room, we would know him, okay, by his voice, Okay, so I, I know him, you know him, but if I call the White House and say, can I talk to Donald? And I say, this is Tim. Uh, it's, it's, it's Tim Fleener. You know, well, they would kind of scratch their head. And, and even if I got his personal phone number and I called and said, hey, Donald, it's Tim. He's going to say, Tim who? All right, it, the, same, the same thing, because really I just know him as a head knowledge. Everybody following? That's how I know Donald Trump, okay? That's how we, some of us, know God. And so the goal is to get us from that to over here, and the other illustration is my wife. I know my wife. I know her Deeply, intimately, and personally. And the bad thing about it is she knows me. <laughs> deeply, intimately, and personally. Okay? I don't know where it happened, but maybe 10 years. We've been married 42 years. So after 10 years of marriage, all of a sudden, she was catching on. She was finishing my sentences. I'd be watching TV or I'd, I'd be carrying on a conversation with somebody. And as I'm carrying on this conversation, something pops in my head by something they say. And I look at my wife and she's going, she knows what I'm about to say. That's scary. But the point is there's two different ways that we know people. And that we know each other. And the, Solomon tells us 
this is what I want. I want you to know God in such a way. Now listen, I want you to know him so deeply, so intimately, so personally, that you know, verse 5, you can trust completely in him. Everybody following? That's Solomon. He wants us to know God like I know my wife, and probably like you know your husband and wife, and, and, and so that you can Know that they're reliable, that God's reliable. He's trustworthy. So you have no problem with saying, understanding, get out of here. I'm not even going to use a crutch on you because God over here is so dependable. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. You can count on God. He has never in all of creation let anybody down. So he's definitely not going to let me down. Everybody said? That's the goal. Okay, but notice the fifth word, direct, okay? He will direct your path. <laughs> this is so fantastic. In the NIV, it says this, he shall make your paths straight, okay? It has the idea of a road, now follow carefully, it has the idea of a road which appears impassable, Okay? I will direct your paths. The path is impassable. It's winding roads down the side of a mountain. And it, it, it has a thousand zigzags. And it goes through swamps as the water runs down and washes out the road. And it has these potholes and these huge boulders. And it appears that the road is leading nowhere. This is the road of your life. He says, I will guide you in the path, your path, that he wants you to take. It's the road that you're traveling on right now. And, and it, it looks as if it's got these huge boulders <laughs> and these potholes. And I'll tell you why I say that in a moment. And it appears that that road is leading nowhere. That word direct in the Hebrew there's three words that pops up in the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. Three words, and I really want you to grab this. Direct, uh, it means three words. Listen to this. It means straight, even, and prosper. Okay, so God is saying, if you will get to know me and that I'm reliable and trustworthy, and you put your trust in me, I promise that I'll make the road, your path, straight, even, and prosperous. Wow. It all hinges, though, on you getting to know God. Not as a Donald Trump, but as a Judy Fleener. That kind of knowledge. And he promises that he'll make your road straight. And that just simply means... That the detours that you seem like you're taking, it's really the shortest route to his destination. Everybody follow me? You think it's winding and ziggy-zaggy, but really it's God's way of getting you where he wants you. It's the shortest route. And how do you know that? Because you know God. And you're trusting him. And all of a sudden, those potholes, he fills it so that your road is smoother 
and those boulders, he specializes in moving them. The obstacles you find in your life, if you need to move them, he moves them. If you need your potholes filled, he'll fill them. The detours, it's just his way of getting you to his destination. Now, here's the kicker, okay? Instead of taking time, because that's really how you get to know each other. I thought, about, I thought about talking about five ways to get to know God. I thought about just zeroing in on that. But the one thing I really wanted you to understand is time. When you spend time with a person, you understand their size. You understand the voice that they're speaking from. Have you... Uh, how long? How many? How many have been here married over ten years? Here, amen. How many over five years? How many over one year? I mean, just been just barely married. Okay, have you already noticed that you can tell when they're just a tiny bit upset? I mean, you you get to know people, and you know them when they're excited. You know when they're discouraged, you just know why. Because you have spent time, you have observed them day after day after day. That's why I believe that every married couple needs a cuddle time every night. <laughs> there was no man voice saying, Amen, baby. Okay. Because the man wants more. That's the problem, all right? I'm talking about only cuddle, only, gentlemen. Okay, only. See the hand? See? Okay. But, but that cuddle time, you, you can talk and, and you can observe, you, and you just get to know each other. It, it doesn't matter in front of the TV because you're still talking, you know, with a, uh, my wife every night. I mean, people, people make fun of Judy and I because we every night we have our cuddle time. But it's a great time, you know, most of the time. <laughs> so, there's a few times. She's not here today, praise God. But she will, be, she will be listening to this as she comes back from Indiana, so you might want to wait a week to put that on there. Amen. Okay, but seriously, um, every night we have some time together. Even when our kids were young, uh, they go to bed at 8 o'clock, we get two hours. Two hours. I don't know where this is going. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, my wife says this. Okay, this is fine. Okay, somebody might need that here. Two hours, you get this man, because you're working all day. So you spend time with each other. But here's the problem. What a lot of us do is we say, bless it all, Lord. I need you to bless it all. See, you, you're trusting God if you're waiting on him to guide you. Like, like, like it took three years for the Lord to finally open up Springfield, this last church of ours. I mean, we, were, we, we went to Kansas City. We went to uh, Jefferson City. I mean, there was a lot of cities that we went to saying, and I, and I went there, fa got in a hotel, and I fasted for a week. God, is this the place? Columbia, I spent three days there, and the Lord said no, so I went home. All right, I, I mean... I'm searching for God. But here's the problem. Many of us don't want to do that. But the Bible says, in all your ways, know him intimately, deeply, and personally. And the problem is a lot of people skip that. 
a lot of us skip that. Just as a marriage skips their, and I'm just using this as an example, cuddle time. Their intimate time with each other. Oh, that's no big deal. I don't need to do that. Well, later on, when the problem arises, and there will be, can I hear an amen? If you know them, you know how to deal with that. You understand them. Okay? But a lot of people skip this, and this is what they do. Okay? They, have their, their, they have their list, their prayer list, and they say, God, here's my needs. I don't, I don't have time to pray and spend a lot of time with you this morning, but, but Lord, I, I really need you, so I'm throwing this up to you as I'm walking out the door. Lord, please take your rubber stamp and stamp my list with your blessings. And there's no intimate time. And there's no personal time. And so we end up having a relationship after many, many years of going to church and consistently, and I just know the Lord as I know Donald. You see the correlation? Because there's no time spent with him. There's no observing in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John how he responded and how he treated. There's no understanding that in the Old Testament, all the commands that God did, they were commands of love. They weren't step up to the plate and do's and don'ts. Martha's in the kitchen, and she has this window here, and she looks out, and her son is running towards the road, and she says, stop! The child may just think mom's being, you know, hard-nosed. But that commandment, wouldn't you agree, is that of love. It's motivated by love. All of God's commandments to you and to me are the same way they're motivated out of love. So all the Old Testament, that's a God of love. The New Testament's a God of love. And so that's what you understand when you begin to get into the Word of God and you observe what He's really like and who He really is. And us control freaks, we don't like that. We don't, you know, we don't necessarily want to say, Lord, show me the road and show me the destination, right? <laughs> the last thing we want to do is give up our personal control. We want to be in charge of our own destiny. And so we say, Lord, this is how I'm going to serve you. Can I hear an amen? This is how I'm going to serve you. I'm just going to keep a little bit of distance there because this is how I want to serve you. Now bless me as I serve you. We still have a little bit of control. So we skip this part. See, here's the bottom line. God says, know me first. Now listen to this. Know me first. Put me first in your thinking. Put me first in your plans. Put me first in your scheming. Put me first. Then, then, I will make your way straight, smooth, and prosperous. Don't get, you know, I want straight first. I want to prosper first. Know him. Knowing him is trusting him. And then you receive the promise that this is what he will do for us. Now, we like the formula, don't we? We love Three steps, and you're going to understand how to make wise decisions, and we're taking notes. But God here says, hey, you want formula? 
He wants relationships. Do you get that? That's what he wants. Solomon says, know him in all your ways. And when you know him, then he takes, he take care, he takes care of the details. Once you know him, you trust him, and he says, I'll take care of the details for you. I'll put you on the right path and towards the right destination. This is first. I've had, a couple weeks ago, I was listening, I was going over this in my head, and so I got my phone out, and I was looking at some podcasts. I love leadership podcasts, and so I was listening to a, a big preacher in our country, and he had five secrets on knowing how to make good decisions. I'm in, right? This guy's a good preacher, good preacher, and I want to hear what he's got to say. So he began, he, after three, after the first three, blew my mind. What a genius this guy is. And I'm writing down, and I go back, and I'm writing, and I go back, and all of a sudden, after three, it hits me. Not one ounce of Scripture. Not one verse. And yet it's so good. And I'm blown away, and I'm attracted to this, and I want this, and I want to implement this, you know? And then I realize, that's the formula. I don't want to get my cane out and listen to his podcast. You know what I'm saying? Not, not, not that there's anything wrong with this. There's a lot of things I come up with that, you know, that, that are my understanding. And my walker, I don't want to lean on my walker, and I don't want to go down the rail holding on. I want to completely and totally trust him because only then will I receive the promises that he has for me. So after the third point, I just turned it off. Just turned it off. Because I want my mind filled with that stuff. Okay? I've got a hard enough time filling my mind with this. So let me give you an illustration of this, of what I'm saying. We want formula, but God wants a relationship. Joe has been dating Shirley. Make sure I picked out names that aren't in here this morning, all right? Joe is dating Shirley. He's been dating her for nine months. And every Friday they go on on dates. And they've been doing this, and then during the week, they spend time together. Well, after nine months, he wants to do something special for her. So he gets in the car. He picks her up. She's excited because he told her he was going to do something special. She gets in, and she says, where are we going? She goes, I don't know. I just want to do something special. I want, something, I want to do something you want to do. And she goes, and they go back and forth, and she finally says, now, hang on. We've been dating for nine months, and you don't know what I like? And what I don't like? Where have you been? Can you relate to that? <laughs> you know you can. That's the thought. We need to be walking with God so well we know what, we know what he was feeling in this given situation. We, we know what he's going to think in this situation because he did it right here in the book. We know what he's going to say about this. Why? Because he did it right here. And so when you get to know God, all of a sudden, it's no little formula. It's a relationship. But we get hung up on the decision process. That's what we get hung up on. We really do. Okay, we get, we get hung up on whether I should have gone to Kansas City or whether I should have went to Columbia. And that's where we get hung up. God, show me. Should I go to Kansas? And I, three years I'm asking God to show me. 
We get caught up in that decision. But in reality, he's not so concerned with the, the, where we go and that decision process. He's concerned what kind of man of God or woman of God are we going to be when we get there. That's what he's concerned with. And to know him is not just to trust him. To know him is to be like him. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, or your phones, and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. Fantastic verse, all right? It says, But we all, with unveiled, unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror. In other words, we now have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and as we look at the Word of God, this is the mirror, okay? He begins to change us. The more we're in this book, the more supernatural change takes place in our life. Look what it says. Transformed into the same image from glory to glory. He's talking about Jesus Christ. I know it's, it's, it's a roundabout way saying it, but this is what he's saying. As you look into the Word of God, all of a sudden you begin to be transformed, no, so he says, by the Spirit of the living God. So as you're in this, and the more you're in this, the more change is going to take place. And so you're in this book, and the Holy Spirit, he's moving in your heart, and he's transforming you into the image of the Son of the living God. So what I like to say is this, and I, I, in my counseling I say this all the time, be the man of God in the room. Be the woman of God in the room the room. That's what God's concerned with. Not about me going to Kansas City or me going to uh, Columbia or Jefferson City. Just know him, trust in him, and he'll transform me. And then he promises to put me on the right path, to make that path smooth, to make that path straight, and to make that press path, path prosperous to fulfill his plan. But no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, be aware that you're on the path and God wants you to be like him. So grab a hold of this phrase, be the man of God this morning with your spouse, with your children. No matter what the circumstances you're going through, and we're all going through all kinds of circumstances. At that moment, get it in your head, be what God wants you to be. At that exact moment. Because our life is as a vapor. It appears for a brief moment, and then it's gone. Be that man of God in the room. And what happens? He promises that he'll take care of all the detail. So don't get caught up in the wrong decisions or, or in, in whether I should do this or I shouldn't do that, but rather be the man that he wants you to be. And that starts with knowing him personally, knowing him deeply, and knowing him 
intimately. And he promises to guide us and direct us. Now think about this for a moment. There's no telling how he's going to guide his children. Over the past 200 years of our country, men and women of God can testify of how God has led them over and over, dead and alive, can stand up and give testimony how God led them. He led them and he spoke to them through the detours, to, through the delays. Through the, God leads through detours, delays, miracles, unexpected friends, opportunities, closed doors, open doors, unanswered prayer, answered prayer, through circumstances, through that prompting of the Spirit, that still small voice. He leads in all different kinds of directions in ways. And what we have to do is identify, know him so well that we know the voice in our head is not the flesh, but God. And the only way to do that is know him. I remember I struggled years to, when God was calling me to preach. There's no way he could call me. I mean, it's impossible. With my abilities, educationally, quitting school when I'm 15, I mean, there's no way. And I fought and fought and fought with God for a couple of years. But it doesn't matter. If I leaned to my own understanding, I'd never be in the ministry. I kept telling the Lord, I'm the right fielder in your church. I'm not the pitcher. Don't put me up there and make me pitch. I'm going to mess up. Right, Josh? Don't put me there. And God is my witness. Every one of the Bible college teachers that I went around and told them I was quitting agreed with me. <laughs> agreed! Said, yeah, Fleener, you're probably right. Because of my abilities. But that prompting, every time I go into church, every single time after I quit, all that I could hear was the Holy Spirit pounding me. You're out of my will. That prompting. And the same thing happens when I fight with my wife. He knows that I'm the one, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm the one that should apologize. That's what it says. If your brothers befault you for the sake of unity, the person in the church, you see what I'm saying? It's just a matter of knowing the book. And when you know these principles just jump out at you. Because according to your logic, she's the idiot. Correct? But, and this is the way I always, when you're fighting, you can always turn around and make it the other person's fault. <laughs> you can but there's a more important truth there. Unity, love, grace, forgiveness. One more thought and we're done. Okay? I know you've been playing for quite a while. Amen. One more thought. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. I just want to remind you for a moment who the he is in this verse. It's the God of the Bible. 
the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. It's the God of Moses, the God of Israel, the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that spoke and a thousand million galaxies just appeared out of nowhere. He's the God that numbered the grains of the sand on the seashore. He's the one that numbered the hairs on my head. And yet he's the one that sees the sparrow fall to the ground. He holds the universe in his hand. He is called the almighty sovereign God. He's the one that said, Fleener, if you trust me fully, I promise to direct your paths. This is what God has said. He said, if you know me and you trust me, he said, I'll take care of the details. All you got to do is trust me full weight. And I'll take care of the rest. Isn't that good? Just a, very, just a couple of verses, doing a Bible study together. But I'm telling you, the exhortation to us this morning is, I want to know God more. As I'm studying this and as I'm preparing it, I just can't wait to spend more time with him. But sometimes there's so many hindrances, and so we have to be men of God to take advantage of our time. Where can you carve out some time in your world, in your life, spend more time with him? Me? Four o'clock in the morning, 4.30, 3.30. He gets me up all kinds of hours. And I'm up and I'm spending time with him. That's only happened in the last six months. Okay? But he's the one waking me up. How about you? All right? Do you want this promise? Smooth, straight, and prosperous? Your road? This isn't a fleener interpretation. Okay? This is what 3, 5, and 6 said. The question is, do you want it? We're going to have the band play. Tremendous song. I want you to just stand with your heads bowed for a moment. I'm going to pray. Heads bowed. Stand. Heads bowed. Eyes closed. I'm going to pray here in just a moment. I'm just going to give you an opportunity. We don't have invitations very often. But I know I need to pray. Because I want to know God more deeply more intimately, and more personally. And I have these enemies around me, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and, they, and the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want me to have that intimate time to know him. So I want to cry out to God to help me to know him more. So if you feel this way, you can come down here and meet me at the altar if you want to. You don't have to. It's completely up to you. But they're going to sing Waymaker. And as they are singing this song, anytime you are moved to come forward and pray, we want you to do that. Father, we just come to you this morning. We love you. God, we appreciate you, all that you have done, how you speak to us daily. And even though you're a God that spoke the universe, the galaxies, the sand of the sea, the, hair, the hairs of the hair, you still are involved in my life enough to direct my path and make it prosperous. Lord, I just want to thank you and praise you. Help us to know you more intimately. 
heads bowed, eyes closed, just for a, a couple of moments as they sing this song. And if you want to respond to this, you come to the altar. You come down here this morning. We'll be down here praying, and you can pray with us. Lord bless you. Sing that song.